grateful that when we get to the end of ourselves, we get to the beginning of God, and that is the beginning of revival. You've heard Pastor Luke last week speak on revival. I've been doing a message of series on revival. What is revival? What does revival look like? How do we apply revival to our life? America, we need revival. We need to be revived. We need to make it personal. And today I'm going to be talking about revival who needs it. And I believe all of us need revival. But at this time, if you would please head out back for Children's Chapel. If there are children in the room, you are dismissed to head to If you have your Bible, let's share a Bible decree. We start off every service thankful for the Word of God. Let's say it together. This is my Bible, God's holy Word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Second Kings, I'm going to get right into the Word of God this morning. Second Kings chapter 5 will be my text, with many others. And the revival that we'll be talking about today in in today's message is for God's people. Those who by faith in Jesus Christ have received salvation and belong to Him. People who do not belong to God cannot be revived. They first must be regenerated. Since the days of Adam and Eve, God's people have often chose to resist his will and to rebel. Because of his great love, God keeps calling them back to intimate fellowship with him. And that's God's grace. The desire and power he gives us to return to him. Always accompanied this call to revival. And if you'll remember, I'm just going to kind of give you a little bit of a refresher because a couple weeks ago... I spoke that revival starts with you. Revival is what happens when God's people, whether individually or corporately, are restored to a right relationship with Him. Bringing one that is dead back to life. In Psalm 69, 32, it reads, You who seek God, let your heart be revived. There are four conditions that must be observed that I went over with you, and I'm just going to give you kind of a refresher before I get into today's message. Number one was confess all known sin. Number two, put away all doubtful things and forgive everyone. Number three, and more importantly, what I love, is obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And last, publicly confess Christ as your Savior. Publicly confess Christ as your Savior. Today in the narrative, I'll be reading in the Word of God from the New Living Translation, because I love the way that it is expressed and explained. 
Now, I know I have notes that are up here on my pulpit, but there's a lot to be said today. And I wanted to make this my conclusion for this series on revival. But I will surrender and be obedient to whatever God has for me so that we as a church can experience revival, not just individually, but corporately. God has his promises all throughout his word. He says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He says if we shall confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to do what? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says, once you are born again, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9, and 10, and 13. So we realize that there's promises in God's word. He says to abstain from the appearances of evil. He says to turn away from sin. He said old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He says once you accept me, the next promise is that I'm asking you, and my commandment is one, that you love one another, but two, you must be baptized. So we realize that we're Buried in the likeness of his death, we're raised in the likeness of his resurrection to walk into the newness of life. So you, are you starting to see the promises? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against God. Revival, who needs it? Say this with me. I do. I do. We all need revival, right? Man, sometimes you get up and... and I've heard this phrase over and over again, and it says, I feel like my legs are like lead. Why am I walking like a slug? Today I'm waking up feeling like I've just got the weight of the world on me. It's hard to live a life sold out, separated for Jesus Christ, when you feel like you have no unction in your junction. So what's your function? See, I, all right. I'm glad that social media wasn't. See, that was PBS for those that do not know what public broadcasting network is all about. Okay, Mr. Rogers is still my, my hero. I don't care what anybody says. I love Mr. Rogers on top of that he was a pastor. And uh, so anyhow, I, I love uh, I love that junction function. But with that being said, revival comes for each and every one of us. And so I asked God yesterday as I was going over my message and completing my thoughts, I said, God, what is revival? He said, well, Todd, revival is this. One, one must be surrendered, and yet you have to be obedient to me. And I thought, well, what does that look like? And he said, it looks like this in Naaman's life. And I said, Naaman, no, that's not who I'm thinking about. He said, but that's what I'm thinking about. So he and I had a little recliner talk. And when I started opening up the Word of God, I started realizing just how powerful this passage was and how revival started to become so real and alive to me. And that 
I thought to myself, I don't know that anybody else needs it, but I need revive. I need that, I need that excitement, that unction, that enthusiasm in my life. Because you see, revival comes with a step of faith. And as we live our life out, a faith-filled life, it is important for us to embrace that in our daily walk. We can say we're Christians, but we don't live out a Christ-like life. We are fearful because we haven't adapted faith and practiced faith in our life. So I say all that to say, let's get right into 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. And I hope that this morning, as I'm looking down here, this will stop popping on me. But I want you to really embrace today's message. Because I'm praying about putting together a message series on the Waymaker, the Promise Keeper, the Miracle Worker, Light in the Darkness. I'm going to take that song and I think I'm going to just break it down every week. Because I believe that he's all those things that we hear in that song that we worship to hear. But I don't know that we're embracing it like it's truth to us. And so I don't care what age you are that's in this room. I want you to ask God right now in the midst of, you know, decisions. God, where do I need revive? Where do I need to increase as I decrease? What is it that I need in my life to help me to be a better man or woman or teenager for Jesus Christ? Let me just have a word of prayer. Father, we love you, and we ask that today that you'll help us to understand your word, Lord. I pray that you'll speak through me today. Lord, I pray that your word will become real, and that we will see in light of a world full of decisions, and that it's not our decisions, it's your way, Lord, making it. So God, help us to embrace revival our personal lives. In Jesus' holy name, God, speak to us as your people. Amen. You know, you don't realize how much you miss your church until you miss your church. And it's always great, you know, I had a wonderful time with my lovely wife, and uh, we were able to uh, take advantage of uh, a couple gift, gifts from Secret Service, Secret Service, Secret Sisters. Sometimes I think you ladies are like the Secret Service. Just kidding. Um, from Secret Sisters. And uh, so Steve and Cass, I always say Steve and Cass, but Cass bought for my wife uh, a night at Donna Tremere Lodge. And so we were able to stay in a cabin in the woods. And uh, that was fun and exciting. And then uh, we went to the Carlisle Inn. You know, Ray and everybody knows. Okay. Uh, and then we went to the Carlisle Inn for a couple days, and we, we enjoyed that time together. And so I love just, you know, for years, our oldest daughter's 26, and giving our life to our kids since we were just young adults, and uh, knowing that we get to stop, pause, and really uh, spend time together. I love it. Megan asked uh, this past week, she said, Mom, I have a question for you. Do you ever get tired? talking to dad or do conversations get boring or what do you guys talk about or you know what are all those those conversations and uh you know we we don't get tired travis is quick to said like "Mm -hmm." 
I don't know how like, you guys can shed it, but I said, no, I, I mean, think about it. We have a lot to talk about. And, uh, you know, so we enjoy our time together. And that's, that's what it's all about. And so I'm thankful that today we have a, a husband and wife that are sitting about one, two, three, four, fifth row back. And his name is Roger and Dolores. And Roger's here with us. Praise God. Roger's been going through all kinds of stuff, and he ended up having a few stints put in, and, uh, you know, some therapy, uh, which is, we love you, brother. He's blessed that you're here, and I'm glad that, that God has uh, saw fit for you to be around and take on every single one of us. That's all I got to say. Second Kings chapter 5, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, Naaman the commander of his army. Because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories, but through Naaman was a mighty warrior. He suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So in verse 4, so Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying his gift, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. But you see, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Now, I'm going to pause right there. What we need to understand is this in verse 7. Letters might have been a pretext for war. So normally when a king would get another letter from another king, it would say, this is what we're about to do. So if you'll see here, the king became alarmed and said, who do you think I am, God? I can't do anything with this guy. So immediately we start to, to see that, you know, doubt starts to come in. And even the king is, uh, of Israel is becoming a little uncomfortable knowing that here's a guy, here's a soldier, here's a commander, here's a man who's highly respected, yet has leprosy, a physical illness, and yet he's intimidated by this individual. So let's continue. But, you, but when Elijah, the man of God, which I love that it says here, the man of God, because in the Old Testament, they could be seers, which means uh, that they talk about, a, you know, a prophet or a seer or somebody. But here they, they explain to him as the man of God. So I love how it's de depicted here. So he says to him, but, but Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay. He sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. 
This is Elijah speaking to the king. In verse 9, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and wanted and waited at the door of Elijah's house. But Elijah sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. In your Bible, if you'll take and circle Jordan, that would be great. And I'm going to have you do some things, some, some notes here in this passage. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. He stormed away. He was burned up with wrath. He was ticked off. Why would he be ticked off? Watch how this starts to unfold. So I underline this, angry and stalked away. And I wrote the word to the right on the column that says pride. Pride. Now watch this. I thought. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He said, I expected. Now watch. So you can highlight, I thought, circle it, and you can also put in there, I expected, you can circle that as well, him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord as God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So, Naaman turned and went away in rage. Wow. Wow. Watch this. First of all, here's how this relates to us. The first thing that I noticed with Naaman, as he said, I thought. That's the first problem with all of us Christians. When we start thinking, we start stinking. Really? He said, I thought. He didn't say, oh, but God told me. Then he said, but I expected. So right here in this narrative, we start to notice that that's what happens to many of us. When we start to surrender our life and bow the knee to Almighty God and say, God, have your way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, but thine be done. But Naaman said, I thought. Am I the only one in this room that has put themselves in that same situation when we said, why hasn't something happened because I thought? Because that's what happens. Many times our thought processes mess us up. We try to reason with ourselves. And I love that God starts to really take this guy and put him on a journey so quick of humility, so quick of transformation. I mean, he was taking this highly decorated commander, a man who was, was highly regarded, and he starts to put him on a journey of revival. And in here, we start to notice. Now, if you'll see here, it says he, be, he got angry. Now, it's interesting that when our flesh takes over, when we get mad, isn't it amazing that all of a sudden, all the attributes of Christ, the fruits of the Spirit, all those things start to diminish. They go away. What happened to love, joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering? Oh, that ain't happening. I'm going to take matters in my own hand, and that's all that I'm going to tell you right now. It's, I'm good. 
so we, we start to notice that it says he stalked away. I always love when stalk means he walked away ticked off. He was mad. He was stomping. He was angry because the first mistake he made was that he was thinking. And he shouldn't have thought. He should have been obedient to the will of God. So then he says, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy. You know, what? Yeah, he, he wanted some movement. He wanted something to happen. We want something to happen, and it's right when we start thinking that, again, it gets us in trouble. So he said, well, this is what I expected. This is what I anticipated. I wanted God to heal me just like that. But that's not what God wanted to do. He wanted to take him on a journey. So at the end of the story, he had a true transformation. See, in, in order to understand the promise, we have to surrender to the process. And the process is all about God's timing, all about his will for our life. And I know there's some in this room that might have said, I wish my recovery would not have taken so long. I wish I would have been able to recover quick, quicker than I did. Maybe through health, maybe through addiction, whatever it might be. I know that we all think often that it should be in my timing, not his timing. But it's during those moments that we truly start to see the hand of God take place. It's during those, those moments, whether it's a mountain experience or a valley experience, no matter where it's at, you know, many of us, we, we go to God and say, God, you didn't hear my prayer. I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying. And he says, I know. Keep on. Keep on keeping on. Keep on praying. Because up to this point, I hadn't heard from you for about three years. Up to this point, I haven't heard from you for about three months. So keep on keeping on keeping on. But then he started to compare. Now watch this. Because he thought he was somebody. He thought he was important, that guy Naaman. And here's what he did. He said, wait a minute, hold on. In verse 12, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpar, better than any other rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. What he was saying was that the river Jordan was inferior. Because there in Damascus, those two rivers were glorious. They were beautiful. They were an amazing river. And so he said... In his pride and in his arrogance, uh, <coughs> you know who I am? I am commander. And I'm not getting in that dirty, disgusting river, Jordan. And you see, when God tells us and calls us to go somewhere, we say, oh, but it doesn't look as pretty over there. I think I'm going to take a little detour, Jesus. And I think I'm going to go around this way, and I'm going to come up this way, and then I'm going to veer to the right, and as I veer to the right, I'm going to take another right, and then I'm going to take another left, and as soon as I take another left, I'll finally get where I'm going. And Jesus said, that's all right, if it takes you 40 years, you're going to suffer for it. It doesn't matter if it's 40 years, 40 days, 40 hours. When Jesus says, get up and go, he says, listen, I'm telling you, if you want healing, commit to the promise, and you'll start to see the process come about. That's where we start to lose it in our Christian life. 
Now watch. So he starts comparing. The Bible says David compared himself among themselves are not wise. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir. Now, in the King James Version, the word sir actually says father. They referred to him as father. And what that means is that they were honoring him and they approached him in humility because they were afraid. Now he says, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured and be healed. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child and he was healed. God's number of perfection, we, we see the number three, we see the number seven, we see many numbers in the Bible. But he didn't tell him to do it once. I think he was truly taking him through a journey of humility. No, you think there's a problem with the River Jordan? Well, I'm going to show you exactly. That's when Elisha said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down and dip in it seven times. So the first time, I'm sure he went to that river and he stepped into that water. Number one, he got back up and he looked at himself and he thought, what's going on? Why haven't you heard me? I did exactly what, number two, he looked at himself and he was still full of leprosy. Number three. Now, what's amazing is I love that I have to take time today. I should probably take about seven minutes. Seven minutes is not much time. We can go very quick in seven minutes. But as he went three, and then he dipped himself the fourth time, and then the fifth time, and the sixth time, I think this is what he was thinking. That prophet is full of it. You know what? I have a choice. Should I just jump out of here? What are these people thinking? Like, I'm, come on, I, I'm a big deal here. I'm the commander. I, I mean, these guys are watching me. They came to me with high regard, and uh, they're thinking I've lost my marbles. Here I go back down to this River Jordan, this muddy River Jordan. And then he dips himself the sixth time, and it was the seventh time that he came out that there was healing that took place. Revival starts when we confess and God says, get up and go, confess your sins, turn from your wicked ways, seek my face, and you will be healed. So we've, we've missed the opportunity that God wants to bestow upon us because we've ran out been praying for? Have you been praying for five years, for ten years, for fifteen years for your loved ones to get saved? Have you been praying and you said, I'm just fed up. I'm done. I, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I give up. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to wash my hands clean of it. I'm moving on. I'm going to leave everything that, that I, I mean, even Christianity, it's a joke to me. That Jesus isn't real. Oh, but Jesus is real. 
He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He brings light in the dark world. So Naaman, when he came out of that water, he did this. Woo! Glory! Hallelujah! He was excited. wasn't for the baby. That was for the elderly gentleman right there in front preaching. I just wanted to wake him up. Just get, but can you, can you imagine just what revival was like for him? That was Christian revival. I mean, can you imagine when he jumped up out of that water? He didn't come up out of that water. He was walking on that water. I mean, he got excited. And here's what he did. All because he was obedient. Now watch. So submission is this. Got to give you my all. Here I am, God. Take all of me. Even Jesus, when he went to the cross, he stretched out his arm and said, here I am, Father God. Not my will, but thy be done. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He already knew. His father never forsook him. He rose from the grave victorious. But here's what he did. He came up out of that water worshiping the God, the one true living God. It said, no longer will I bow a knee to an idol. For that prophet had a message that was clear for me. Has God been speaking to you? Has, does he have a clear message for you? You know, we have a prayer warriors page, and in that prayer warriors page, the Lord gives us updates on Roger. We've been praying for Roger. It has not stopped. But God saw fit to direct you. Maybe your journey over the last month hasn't been as quick as you wanted, but God knows what each and every one of us needs in our time of need. And so he came up out of that water, and many of us want to say, what can we do to show gratitude and appreciation and it continues here in this text and it says then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the what the man of God they stood before him and Naaman said now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel so please accept a gift from your servant but Elisha replied as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gift. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. He knew his calling. He said, listen, healing and obedience doesn't come from me. It comes from God. You give your sacrifices. You give your offering to God. I don't need it. I did exactly what was expected of me. You did what is expected of you. You submitted yourself. You became obedient the will of the Father. So then he says in 17, the name it said, all right, but, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth, earth from this place and I will take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of the god, Rimon, which that god is actually, that word means thunder. And it also means he was a storm god. It makes sense for a warrior. It makes sense for a commander, right? So he says to worship there and leave 
on my arm. May the Lord pardon me when I bow to him. Verse 19 says, go in peace, Elisha said, so Naaman started home again. Now, I looked at this as just like, wow, what, what an amazing story of victory. Where did we start to see this story unfold? We started seeing this story unfold, and I'm going to make it simple today. I'm not even going to go back to my notes. I have a couple things, but I won't do that even today. But I know that in our Christian life, we have to surrender our will to providence. How do you do that? You say, here I am, Lord. Use me. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. I give my life to him. We know the old hymnal that says, I surrender. But, you know, it's amazing to me. I'll have people that will come to me, and here's what they say. They call it Christian. They don't call me Christian, but I, I Although, well, I thank the Lord who preserved from West Virginia know my sin, so they're not Christian, but, you know, I can't say that. They're always like, preacher, we come back to that church that I saw, and I was thinking, and I didn't like, and I was hoping that there'd be some change. I didn't like that music. I didn't like those keys. Well, we changed the keys in spirit because we could change so much about the heart of Jesus. Here's what happens. Surrender means that you say, it doesn't matter what goes on, I just use your spirit. It doesn't matter about the criteria, I just need your spirit. See, revival comes when the spirit of God shows up. I can preach all day long, but if the spirit of God is not here convicting your heart to change, then everything that I just said was for nothing. And that's what Elisha was saying. He said, listen, I don't need your gifts. I don't need those things. I need you to experience the living God. And in our church, we're never going to see revival take place unless we experience the living God. We'll never see change take place unless we experience the living God. And if each and every one of us Christians had to bear the cross of Christ, had to pick up the cross of Christ, or we would go to a gas chamber and these trying, trying days that we're in, how many of you would do it? How many of you would pick up the cross of Christ and follow him? We understand this is Old Testament, but the New Testament is full of God's grace. And so obedience starts when you say, here I am, Lord. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Here I am, God change me and make me. And so we start to notice that other character and then we'll conclude. It says here Gehazi, Gehazi, Gehazi asked, I don't know how to say that. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. So Gehazi set off after Naaman. When Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. Is everything all right, Naaman asked? Oh, yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give to them. 
by all means, take twice as much silver, Naaman insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing tied up to the money in two bags and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back. Then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. When he went in to see his master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? I haven't been anywhere, he replied. But Elisha asked him, Don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? You know what I love about that part right there? Remember when I started out and said he was the man of God? When he started out, we started to notice God the Father. We started noticing God's intervention. We started noticing God doing a work in this man. And he says, is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle, and male and female servants? Now I'm going to tell you this in verse 27. Here's what's going to happen to you. Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. His skin was white as snow. Here's here's what that narrative concluded with. doing everything I could because I wanted what was not mine. How many of us have been in the same place? And as I close and as I conclude, I'll tell you this. And I know, Luke, I gave you a bunch of scripture, brother. Thank you so much for, for having it there, but I, uh, we're not going to get to that today. But I want to encourage our church to surrender your will obedient to the Father. How do you surrender? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek him first. Not second, not third. Seek him first. I'm going to ask you a question. How many in this room just when I ask you this question is there someone, somebody, maybe yourself, maybe there's an unspoken is there something you've been going to the Lord in prayer about? Is there, is there some in the room that have been here? Amen. Well, as we rise to our feet this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going to do the old-fashioned altar type thing. I'm going to have the altar open. Revival can't start without prayer. See, revival can't start without submitting ourselves, letting go, and letting God. We have some chairs. If you feel more comfortable to sit in your seat, that's fine as well. But I would like you to, just in the quietness of this room, and I'm going to have it, as the praise team sings, church, we need prayer. We need prayer. I don't care if you're Democrat. I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're Independent. I just don't care. But what I do care about is that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that you're sold out, separated for Him and Him only. So your opinion to me at this point doesn't even matter. I really don't care. Now, that's awfully arrogant of you, Pastor Todd. Well, because I don't. I don't care what your political viewpoint is, but I do care where your heart is in line with Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all I care about. 
And I care about that you become submissive and obedient to whatever God has been dealing with your heart today. Naaman, it took time, but Naaman, he just took another dip and then another dip and another dip, and it was that seventh time. Listen, don't give up. Maybe God had this plan today because this might be your seventh time that you're going to prayer on behalf of an individual so that God would heal their body, that God would deliver them of their financial hardship, that God would deliver them and heal them from their hurts, their hang-ups, their habits, whatever it might be. Maybe they've got some, some deep addiction. Maybe somebody in this room is dealing with addiction, and it's been really, really hard on you. And you need to say, okay, God, here I am. I surrender everything to you. I give you my life. I give you my all. Maybe there's somebody in the room that needs Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and you've never, ever accepted him as Lord and Savior. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. John 3, 3. Yeah, we can have an old-fashioned revival message, but the message is this, church. I want you to take the principles and say, what did I learn from church today? I learned the process. And the process is this. I surrender. I surrender. I've been giving my opinion on Facebook. I have been giving my opinion on the phone to my family. I have been telling people what I think. It doesn't matter. Have you been telling them the story of Jesus Christ? Have you been giving them the message of salvation? Have you told them that no matter what happens in this world, it doesn't matter. No prince of valleys, high steps, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Listen, I love you so much, my brother, my sister, my son, my nephew, my niece. I love you this much that Jesus died for you. Will you accept him today? When was the last time that you gave someone just a good, heartfelt, love, gospel message? Well, it's hard for us to do that because I stopped. I stopped. See, because I started thinking, I forgot the message. See, church, we need to pack this house out. We should be. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We need to get people in church. They need saved. I don't care if you're at the workplace or whatever place you're at. Man, you need to grab a hold of your 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 associates and say, listen, we all need to get to church. We need to pray. I, I love this. People will say, I'm praying for you. Then I walk away from them. I'm like, you're praying for me? I like this. Can I pray with you? Right here, right now. Let people see Jesus in your life. Let revival take place. Let healing take place. Let them see the Shekinah glory of God. Let people see that when you seek Christ first, when you seek the kingdom first, that you put everything behind you, that God is number one. He is priority in your life. And you have the capabilities to do that. Because guess what? You have the most powerful book in all the world. And if most of our leaders would understand that, we'd all be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's rise to our feet and let's just do this. Let's pray. Let's lift our hands. Let's surrender our life. Maybe you're saying, but this wasn't for me. I think every week there's a message for me. And if God brought you to this place, maybe there's something you're dealing with. This message was for you. So you can just stop and say, God, here I am. Use me. God, here I am. Renew me. God, here I am. Reshape me. God, here I am. Take this filthy, stained, wretched body and just help me to live a, a wonderful, Christian, God-filled, surrendered, sold-out, separated life. Let's pray.
God, we love you. We thank you that even in this story, God, many of us in this room, we feel like we want things to happen on our timetable. God, I have noticed through how many times I've gone, I've come to you in prayer. I mean, Lord, you just brought something to mind even right now that, God, even in my own life that I know took me quite a while before I started to see that you were answering prayer. But God, I know what you did for me. You brought me to my you brought me to a place where I was not needing you. I was not speaking to you. I was not intercessing with you. I didn't feel the spirit of Almighty God. Lord, I am sorry, and I, I ask for your forgiveness. You've already heard me say that. But God, I remember that time about three or four years ago, and it was that defining moment that, Lord, you spoke to me. After a few years of praying, that you revealed yourself, Lord. I realized right then that true submission comes going to that uncomfortable place. Not in the crystal clear waters, but sometimes in the mucky, mud, miry clays of this earth. Lord, you put us through some suffering so that we can see your glory. And not just for us, but for others around us. Lord, may revival take place in our hearts and in our lives that we can, we can change our ways, change our lives. God, help us. Because many of us have just been participating in sin, thinking it's okay. We wonder why you don't hear us. Because you said, Father, we were hot or cold, you just were lukewarm and you aren't enough. But God, help us to make a decision for righteousness. Help us make a decision and put aside our thoughts and our mindsets. Fill up the spaces in our minds and in our hearts with your love and your peace and your truth. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this praise time. Thank you for your people. And Lord, we ask that this morning that you will just bring us to our knees as we pray for healing, for help, for direction, and more importantly, for obedience to you. Help us to stay listening and to move in your way. For those that are here today, God, I pray that they just move in your spirit of their hearts.